chapter five of the subjection of isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thornycroft fowler chapter five political life lord wrexham was prime minister of england at the time when this story opens he was a bachelor for reasons which have been told elsewhere he was a premier for reasons which have not yet been mentioned the principal one of which was that nobody considered him specially suited and therefore nobody else considered him specially unsuited for the office when half of a political party is crying out to be governed by a and another half is shrieking equally loudly for the guidance of b it happens not infrequently that the lot finally falls upon c for the good reason that he is neither the one nor the other nobody is particularly delighted by his elevation to power consequently nobody else is particularly annoyed by it and so everybody is pleased all round or to speak more correctly is not displeased perfection of any kind never being more than approximate in politics of course many men owe their success in life to the fact that they are themselves but quite as many owe it to the fact that they are not somebody else which is by no means the same thing though to the superficial it may appear so lord wrexham would never have become prime minister because he was what he was he was raised to that dignity and honour simply because he wasn't what he wasn't isabel carnaby once nearly married him because he was not paul seaton she also jilted him for the same sufficient reason and it was this negative characteristic of his this power so to speak of not being other people that made it possible for a friendship still to exist between himself and her and for isabel and her husband to come and stay at vernacre had she become lady wrexham there would have been no friendship and no possibility of one between herself and paul seaton one might write a treatise upon the men and their name is legion who are neither a nor b but simply c they form a large and influential class of the community they accomplish much in life but by negative rather than by positive means they own more wisdom than charm more solid sense than strong personality theirs is not the magnetic force which sways men and subjugates women which at first sight either irresistibly attracts or unaccountably repulses but the staying power which commands respect rather than admiration the gentle reasonableness which convinces rather than compels these men of the sea division of society make uninteresting lovers but unexceptionable husbands they can carry out an accepted policy better than they can lead a forlorn hope but usually they are honest men and good citizens and almost invariably they are gentlemen such a man was lord wrexham the prime minister 
at the time of this story the then sitting parliament had passed its zenith and there was no doubt that its successor would insist upon a thorough shuffling of the political cards the party as is not unusual with liberal parties was divided otherwise lord wrexham would never have been selected as its head there was no doubt that if the liberals remained in power after the general election a place in the cabinet must be found for paul seaton the under-secretary of war and the leader of the more advanced section of the party and the inclusion of seaton in a cabinet meant to a great extent the adoption by that cabinet of the policy which he advocated as in addition to being an able man himself he represented a section of the party too large and influential to be set aside now mrs paul seaton was an excellent wife loving and reverencing her husband with her whole heart as a good wife should but she did not agree with him in politics she had been brought up in the good old whig school by her uncle sir benjamin farley and being a clever woman she had not just accepted with unquestioning simplicity the political tenets in which she had been trained she had carefully weighed them for herself and had not found them wanting when mature judgment sets its seal of approval upon the traditions of youth those traditions become fixed principles which it is difficult if not impossible to uproot as they crown with the sanction of later reason the sanctity of earlier romance a combination of almost impregnable strength therefore seaton's wife could not see eye to eye with him on these matters much as she would have liked to do so although in actual years she was slightly younger than her husband in her outlook upon life she was older than he women always maturing more quickly than men consequently her politics were those of an elderly man while his were those of a young one he had still the hopefulness and enthusiasm of the knight-errant who is always setting forth upon marvellous quests for the righting of the wrong or the succour of the helpless or the seeing of wonderful and unearthly visions while she had already learnt that the patching of old garments with new cloth often makes the rent worse that by endeavouring to right a wrong men sometimes increase it and that the time of visions is overpast paul's certainty that he had discovered a panacea for most political and social and commercial ills and his joyous belief in the ultimate success of the same awoke no answering chord in isabel's breast she was just as anxious as he was that the country and the party should alike flourish she was considerably more anxious than he was that paul seaton should eventually become prime minister but she differed from him as to the best means for procuring these desirable ends she had unbounded admiration for her husband's powers unlimited faith in his abilities but she feared that his over-sanguine disposition would lead him to strike before the iron was quite hot enough and to attempt to seize the prize before it was in his grasp paul's chief end in view was the good of his country isabel's chief end in view was the 
advancement of paul and she was terrified lest in a moment of misdirected zeal or misguided altruism he should commit himself to a course of action which should eventually militate against his personal success she hated to disappoint him by refusing to share his enthusiasms but she hated still more to see him as she thought preparing disappointment for himself by building political air-castles as unsubstantial as the pageant of prospero from the bottom of her heart isabel dreaded the continuance of the liberals in power after the general election she knew that there must be fundamental changes in the government if the country decided on enjoying six years more of liberal administration lord wrexham's sitting still policy could not last through another parliament the new men with the new measures would come to the front and she shrank from the consequence of what this coming to the front might mean perhaps she was right perhaps she was wrong that is not the business of a mere story-teller to decide but she was convinced in her own mind that the changes which her husband and his friends were contemplating would if carried out result in disappointment to themselves and their party and disaster to the country at large and accordingly she longed to induce them to stay their hands failing this she hoped that the liberals would be beaten at the next election and so be provided with a period of opposition wherein to learn more about themselves and their country than they knew at present she had lived long enough in the political world to learn that there even more than anywhere else it is a mistake to do anything in a hurry but she had likewise lived long enough in the political world to learn that there more than anywhere else men are in a hurry to do things the old men because they are old and the young men because they are young the young men because there is so much to be done and the old men because there is so little time in which to do it but the man who takes his politics from his wife may be a good husband but he is not a great politician perhaps he is not altogether the best sort of husband either modern novelists may know better but the apostle distinctly stated that the husband is the head of the wife daily newspapers may take a wider view but the bible gives the wife no option save to be in subjection to her husband the husband has the right to rule by the most divine right of kingship and a king who is afraid to exercise his royal prerogative is hardly the highest type of king therefore paul seaton believed that in certain things politics included he knew better than his wife and he acted up to this belief in all uprightness and simplicity of heart they did not quarrel over the question they were far too good comrades for that but they held respectively their own opinions as to the best way of governing the country and of improving its outlook and they talked it all out fully together although paul was too much of a man to take his views from his wife ready-made there is no doubt that they were considerably modified by isabel's influence and no blame to him for that for even the greatest of the apostles who was himself a married man permitted 
that husbands should be won by the conversation of the wives so long as that conversation was coupled with fear one evening after dinner paul and isabel were sitting alone lady farley having taken fabia to the opera and were discussing the present political situation and the prospects for the future you are a faint-hearted fair lady said paul you haven't the courage of your convictions i haven't the courage of yours you mean it comes to the same thing isabel shook her head not quite well just you wait and see if we come in again at the next election of which there seems every possibility and if they give me a place in the cabinet of which there seems every probability we shall bring about such a revolution in domestic policy that the country will flourish as it has not flourished for years it will be the dawning of a golden age but again isabel shook her head you are always so sanguine the golden age has never dawned yet why should it begin now dearest you are growing very conservative am i i don't mean to but if only you are one thing long enough you suddenly find that you are another the difference between one thing and another being merely a difference in time if you go on being a liberal long enough you suddenly find yourself a conservative if you only go on being a high churchman long enough you suddenly find yourself an evangelical if you go on being a young woman long enough you suddenly find yourself an old one it isn't yourself that alters you stand still and the world goes round so that you inevitably get somewhere else by persistently stopping where you are silly little child just wait and see what the liberals are going to do and then you won't be a conservative any longer you must march with the times my dearest i can't i'm getting too old for such violent exercise but paul you always seem to think that any change is of necessity an improvement that new lamps are invariably better than old well aren't they new brooms always sweep clean and new boots almost always pinch paul laughed he was so sure of himself so sure of his convictions that his wife's warnings rolled off his back like water off a duck's underneath his somewhat staid and serious manner was hidden all the confidence of the self-made man while isabel's cheerful and careless light-heartedness concealed the half-cynical wisdom of the woman of the world darling he said with a smile your pessimism is very funny and so is your optimism when you come to that retorted isabel and then they each laughed at the other like a pair of happy children suddenly paul's face grew grave there is only one thing that bothers me he said and what is that darling isabel's love was up in arms for his succour and defence well the governorship of tasmania will be vacant shortly and isabel interrupted him how is that the graves end's time is not nearly up it seems only yesterday that lord gravesend was made governor of tasmania to comfort him and eleanor for losing the situation in new north wales when new north wales decided not to keep a pet governor of its own any longer 
that is so but gravesend's health is breaking down and they are afraid he will have to resign and come home before his time is up and if the liberals are still in office when that happens i am desperately afraid that wrexham will offer it to me for a minute isabel's heart stood still here was a way out of all her troubles and a very pleasant way too she would love above all things to be an excellency as her aunt had been before her and then if paul were busy governing tasmania he would not be hurrying in those measures for the improvement of england for which she did not think the times were yet ripe she considered that five years of colonial government would not only add to her husband's practical experience and increase his administrative ability but would also enable the english constituencies to become accustomed to the new ideas which the liberal party either in office or in opposition intended shortly to formulate oh i should adore it she exclaimed paul's face grew still longer i was afraid you would it was that which decided me that i couldn't refuse it if it were offered moreover i don't think that a poor man like myself would be justified in refusing such a good thing from a pecuniary point of view although i'm afraid it would be the end of my political career not it you are still a young man you can afford to wait at the end of five years you would be older and yet not old she was too wise to say wiser though the word was on the tip of her tongue still gravesend may be able to hang on at any rate until the new parliament said paul with his accustomed hopefulness and that would decide the matter for itself of course if i were certain that a liberal majority would again be returned at the general election i should be all right in saying no but if we are going out of office and i shall have to drop my official salary i don't feel it is fair to you to refuse this income and position isabel came up to him and put her arms round his neck darling promise me that if it is offered to you you won't refuse she was so certain that this would be the wisest course for him as well as for her that she did not hesitate to make the request of course i promise my own when she asked him in that tone there was nothing on earth that he would not have promised her End of chapter five